Woe to you of earth and sea. Welcome to Satan is My Superhero, a show about art, culture, history and the devil. I'm your host, Judas Falling. In this episode, we will be investigating John Milton's classic 1667 poem about the fall from grace, Paradise Lost. Regarded by some as the greatest piece of English literature outside of Shakespeare, its impact and influence on English literature can't be denied. But most importantly, at least for us, John Milton could write the devil like a (coughs) Milton claimed he was trying to better explain God. His method of doing that seems to be to fill in the missing bits in the Garden of Eden story with his own well-researched fiction in verse. John Milton himself had just lived through a fall. The English cut off the head of their king, pretended to self-rule for 11 years, and then went back to a monarchy. Morons. Milton was an active public member of that cultural, social, and political revolution. He was balls deep in a republican cause, pitted against an established and powerful tyranny that had held sway over the European way of life for hundreds of years. He was fighting something just as powerful as God, and this was a guy who worked through his angst with ink and quill. For example, during a three-year period when his wife separated from him, Milton wrote extensively about marriage and divorce. Hi John, it's your publisher here. What do you want? Just going over your latest draft. Um, I thought this was going to be a political thriller. It is! It seems to be 47 chapters of incoherent angry letters to lawyers. Hello? John? Are you there? After the Restoration, England had a new king from an old line back on the throne. And now blind Milton was in hiding, and I think it's no coincidence that this high-ranking revolutionary composed an epic tale of a clever and brave rebel leader who, while cast down into the darkness and unable to access the light, has not given up on the dream of liberty and enlightenment for all. Milton's quest for freedom can even be seen in his actual writing style. Paradise Lost is a poem that does not rhyme, which was very radical for the time. Milton's explanation for this is that he found the traditional poetic metre of rhyming couplets to be constraining. He wanted to express his ideas freely without limitations put on them by dogma. Hi John, it's your publisher here. (sighs) What do you want? I've just got one niggling little question about the draft you sent. What? It's just that we thought it was going to be a poem. Idiot. Let's get to it. Here is the opening line of one of the greatest epic poems ever written. Of man's first disobedience and the fruit. It has not gone unnoticed that Milton's very first line in the poem suggests the billions of humans on the planet right now are the fruit of Satan's design. And you're welcome. Milton introduces our tragic hero as the fallen angel who dared to raise an army against Yahweh and with his comrades was cast down into the eternal pits of fiery damnation. Against the throne and monarchy of God, raised imperious war in heaven and battle proud with vain The narrative of the poem begins with Satan at his lowest ebb. It is sometime after the battle in heaven and our hero wakes up in a lake of fire. Oh, guys, can anyone remember what we did last night? All around him, his legion of fallen angels are also waking up to find themselves in hell. And weltering by his side, one next himself in power and next in crime, long after known in Palestine and named Beelzebub. 
Milton populates Satan's host with deities and demons from all over mythology. Beelzebub is one of the devil's lieutenants. I like to roll with my homies. After D&M with his BFF Beelzebub in the dimly lit depths of hell, Satan gives his troops a pep talk. His utmost power with adverse power opposed in dubious battle on the plains of heaven and shook his throne. Here we see the gears turning in Satan's mind. They may have lost the first battle, but the war is far from over. Satan has good reason to feel even more confident now than before. He has not been destroyed. His rebellion shook Yahweh. Clearly the threat Satan posed was real. Thinking more about his predicament, the devil also realizes... The mind is in its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. Satan has dominion over his own mind. He'll use his imagination and cunning to make his world better and then bring down an empire. Let's go, boy! I'm going to take a short break from the show right now to talk about my sponsors and Patreon. I don't currently have sponsors or Patreon. But if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by buying my novel. It's called Chaos Machine by Judas Fawley. It's available through Amazon. You don't need a Kindle to read it. Almost any digital device will do. Don't forget, Chaos Machine by Judas Fawley. Now, back to the show. At this point, Milton gives us a fantastically progressive description of the Devil's Legion of Fallen Angels. For spirits, when they please, can either sex assume or both. So soft and uncompounded is their essence pure, not tied or manacled with joint or limb, nor founded on the brittle strength of bones like cumbrous flesh, but in what shape they choose. While Satan is looking over his bedraggled and recently defeated army of T-1000s, he is struck with both remorse and wonder for his loyal troops. He has led them to ruin. It is all his fault they have ended up burning in hell, and yet here they are assembling before him, ready to follow him into dubious battle again. So we gave up heaven for this? Yeah, have you found anywhere that's not on fire yet? Nope. Bogger. You know, I shouldn't even be here. What do you mean? I didn't know we were doing all of this. I thought Satan was throwing a party. A party? When did we ever have a party in heaven? I know, that's why I was so excited and I just went along with them all. But you brought your spear. Yeah, I've never been to a party before. Yeah, but... Be quiet. Satan looks like he's going to speak. Oh, I hope it's about the party! Satan gets so choked up trying to address his demon horde that it takes him three attempts to speak through his own tears. It was the sulfur. Hell was brand new. We hadn't figured out all the controls yet. It's not like it came with a manual. And anyway, you know I only cry at commercials with puppies in them. You know that. Satan claims the war in heaven was encouraged by heaven itself. He uses the old... If you didn't want me to take it, why did you leave it where I could find it? Excuse for the war with Yahweh. He then explains the silver lining of the situation is that at least now they know the power of their adversary is really massive, but not necessarily fatal. Henceforth, his might we know and know our own, so as not to either provoke or dread new war provoked. Our better part remains to work in close design by fraud or guile. What force if 
affected not that he no less at length from us may find. Who overcomes by force hath overcome but half his foe. The charismatic and agile devil is devising a new strategy. They can't defeat Heaven's army in open battle, but they can still win an asymmetrical war. Military superiority is not enough. You have to win hearts and minds. The Lord of Lies is going to continue his insurgency guerrilla style, eating away at his enemy's resolve while pulling the populace to his banner. Sounds like good advice for the recently defeated Republican movement in England around the time of writing, doesn't it? Satan goes on to note he's heard through the grapevine Yahweh is planning to create a planet with new beings on it. Let's deal with these new beings. Don't have a name yet, but back at the office, we're calling them sheeple. And what do they do? They're little worship machines. Worship machines, you say? I'd have to check that out. I wonder if I can get them into TikTok. Now, even if Satan can get out of hell, he then has to traverse a void ruled by chaos without any way of really knowing if he's ever heading in the right direction. It took them nine days to fall all the way from heaven to hell, so the trip back is going to be long. He then tells his fallen angels to turn hell into a home while he's away, prepare to be attacked by heaven at any time, and await his return. Old Scratch then makes his way to the gates of hell, where he meets his own daughter, Sin who we learn had popped out of the devil's head when he first had the thought of rebelling way back in heaven. That's right, she was an actual physical embodiment of a thought he had. Satan, why is the living room filled with unicorns? Sorry, sorry, I just can't stop thinking about them at the moment, that's all. Then because why not, Satan fathered a child called Death with his daughter-slash-clone Sin. Immediately after being born and taking after his dad, Death impregnated his mother-slash-sister Sin with hellhounds, which ate their way out of her body. Family get-togethers can be very tense. Sin also has a serpent's tail instead of legs, which is not that weird in the Paradise Lost world. People see parallels to Eve. Being a clone of her lover makes her also that lover's daughter, just like Eve. And it has not gone unnoticed that making her half-serpent also links her to Eve. Death and his half-serpent mother-slash-sister-slash-baby-mama Sin guard the gates of hell and hold the key to Satan's escape. The silver-tongued devil explains his plan and promises he is escaping to free all those cast down in hell. Once he gets a toehold on this new planet, Sin and Death will have multitudes of new beings to feed on. Sin loves the sound of what her clone-slash-father-slash-baby-daddy Satan is laying down and opens the gates for him. The journey across the dark, chaotic void is so perilous and long it takes Satan a book and a half out of ten books in the poem to make it. You know it's past Uranus, right? Have you ever tried to use wings out there? Once he arrives at Eden, Satan sneaks inside, assumes the shapes of many different animals and spies on Adam and Eve. He learns the pair only have really one rule to follow. So what are the rules here? There's only one rule, so it should be easy to remember. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, okay, got it. Only eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, 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 don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What if we get sick of the other fruit? There's like a million different fruits here. Yeah, but that knowledge of good and evil fruit does look the tastiest. Oh, God. Satan's journey through the abyss and into Eden has all been observed from high above, and he is eventually cornered by a gang of angels. 
He's really not emotionally ready to lose another fight right now, so he runs away. Tactical retreat. Meanwhile, Eden's guest relations manager, the angel Raphael, informs Adam that a disgruntled former employee is loose on the grounds and his intentions are probably not good. We also learn that before the war, when the Son of God arrived in heaven, Satan questioned Yahweh's involvement in his own creation. Not just his actual creation, but who Satan has become. We know no time when we were not as now. No, none before us. Self-begot, self-raised. Assuming the heat has died down, a never-deterred and never-going-to-believe Yahweh's omnipotent Satan sneaks back into Eden and takes the form of a serpent. He then lies in wait to tempt Eve. When he does meet Eve, he tells her how hot she is. It's her smile. Yeah, that's right. The number one thing I look for is a great smile. Oh dear, I'm sorry. I seem to have vomited a little bit in your microphone. Eve is surprised by a talking serpent and asks how can this be? He tells her he was mute like all the other beasts until he ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not only did he not die, but now he can talk. He then convinces her it's not cool that he, a lowly serpent, can better himself with the fruit, but Eve, future mother of humankind, can't. Just doesn't seem right, does it? He then implies that Yahweh keeps his dominion over Eve by keeping her ignorant and finishes with one of the best come-hither lines ever. Goddess humane, reach them and freely taste. After eating the fruit, and who wouldn't after that, Milton gives Eve a Shakespearean monologue that rivals the bard at his most misogynist. Here we learn Eve's reasoning in why Adam should now also eat the damned fruit. This may be well, but what if God have seen and death ensue? Then I shall be no more. And Adam, wedded to another Eve, shall live with her enjoying. I extinct, a death to think, confirmed then I resolve. Adam shall share with me in bliss or woe. Poor Adam has had nothing to do with this afternoon's activities, and yet now he's as good as damned. Having achieved his goal, Satan heads back to hell. On the way, he meets up with his clone-slash-daughter-slash-baby-mama Sin and his incestuous son-slash-grandson Death. They have built a bridge out of hell and across the abyss. Sin and Death now have access to Earth. Hey, clone brother-slash-father. What do you think of our bridge? It's pretty good. What was that, Death? Tell him yourself. He's your dad, too. Okay... Death says you're never proud of anything we do. Oh, not this again. So anyway, Adam eats the fruit, not to defy Yahweh, but to share Eve's fate, and humanity begins, existing in the domain of Satan, one day to be saved by the Son of God and an almighty Armageddon, the end. So was Milton a Satanist? No. Satan is the level of rage John, no middle name, Milton had reached. His own revolution had failed in the worst ways. For a man of faith and politics in his time, Satan can be seen as Milton lashing out in the harshest possible way. This poem carried the power to offend and upset everyone. I think Milton reveled in creating his heroic Satan. It's a middle finger to just about everyone. I think the cantankerous old Republican Milton is seriously saying the devil is a better choice than some king appointed by so-called divine right. No one ruled over by king or God had any part in appointing those roles. 
They are not the chosen ones. They're the complete opposite of that. Just as his Lord before him, Milton uses Satan like a stick to beat. But I do believe he found a kindred spirit in Old Nick, and that's the element that makes his devil so damn good. Hi, John. It's your publisher here. Just going over the latest draft. Loving it, loving it. But our marketing department is pooping bricks. They really want a happy ending. I mean, who doesn't? Am I right? You know what I'm saying. Anywho, how about Eve doesn't eat the fruit and lives happily ever after with Adam? You know, it's a princess gets her prince story. Focus groups go bananas for that stuff. Hello? John? Are you there? Ugh, not this again. I'm just trying to help you make a classic. And we all know no one's ever created a classic without good market research. Milton's Devil is everything you know about Satan wrapped up in one seminal package. This is the gigantic dragon. He describes the devil as being as big as an island. He's the horned, winged, cloven, hoofed warrior armed with a shield as big as the moon and a spear that makes the tallest trees look like an insignificant wand. He's the incestuous prince out for pleasure and glory. He's the shape-shifting trickster in the Garden of Eden. But Milton's Satan also loves, mourns and regrets. He carries the consequences of the lost battle on his massive shoulders. He has let down his followers. He has lost the love of his father and been cast down. Milton's devil feels it. Lucifer was most beloved amongst all angels for what we must assume was a very long time. Then suddenly Yahweh made himself a son and all the love started going to him. Then Yahweh signed off on plans for a whole new gardened planet to be inhabited by yet another new favorite called Adam. I mean seriously, WTF? Satan is the only child who suddenly has two new better-at-everything brothers. Can we really blame the spoiled child for growing up to be a total see-you-next-Tuesday? Milton's Yahweh is cold, dogmatic, and distant, while his Satan is passionate, evolving, and real. Milton's Satan is a devil for everyone. I thought it only fitting to end on probably the most famous line from Paradise Lost. It's probably the most famous and often quoted line in the book because it touches something anyone with a rebellious nature shares with the Lord of Darkness. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. And that's why Satan is my superhero. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, you know the drill. But more importantly, please recommend this show to just one person. I mean literally one person. Choose that person well.